Hey everyone, and welcome again to Casual Nonsense. Uh, I need you to be a pal and share this episode with at least one person today. I don't think that's too much to ask, so I think you can do it. Our topic today is really something that we want to spread the word about. My guest today is Will Hedrick, and he's the founder of The Hedrick Project. Uh, Will has really made being charitable easy. If you've ever thought about giving to a charity or helping in some way because you know you have the means to do so, but you never really quite trusted where your money was going or how much of it actually went to that thing that you were trying to support. Well, Will and I will get into how easy he makes this process and how you can see where every penny of your assistance goes. So I'm going to let Will do the explaining. He's the expert here. Uh, But when we're done, I want to make sure that you visit his website and pick a cause that means the most to you. I'm jumping on board, and you should too. All right. Casual nonsense today. We have... Mr. Will, Will Hendricks, there's no S in the end, right? Just Hendrick. It's Hedrick, no N. I wish it was Hendrick. We'd, we'd have a lot more car dealerships. <laughs> you know what? I'm looking at it, and I, like, I have it spelled correctly with no N, but I just <laughs> naturally. Anyway, Will, welcome to the show, brother. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Doing well. Doing well. Cool. So let's talk why you're here, right? So, uh, so overall, and we'll get into some details of this in a little bit, but you have the Hendrick Project, right? That's your that's your jam, right? So this is a, a charity organization, or tell you you describe it. You tell me, yeah, yeah, what that is. So we are we've just rebranded. We are the Hedrick Project, or my charity. We are an online giving platform helping people make their difference in the world. Users go online, pick the causes that they care about, ranging from cancer to sea turtles. Donate monthly. We take 100% of donations directly to the field and then follow up with every single donor, proving down to the penny the exact impact that your donations have made. Is there a lot of call for like sea turtle saving? I I love it. I'm a, I'm a big, big animal guy, big environmental guy. It is, it's very interesting to see the split because when you go online, you can pick and choose. It's a checkbox from ALS to Alzheimer's to cancer based off of your human interest, environmental interest, animal interest. A lot of nonprofit donations go to the human world, but the animal and environmental world is coming strong. I think that it's, it's a growing interest, which is exciting. That's that's where my interest has always been. Okay. People love their animals, man. They do. They do. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So let's talk about how that got started and then we'll get, I want to get into more details about that because I have some questions about yeah. how that works, but let's talk about you for a minute. So you're, you're a young fella and I say that compared to me because I know that I'm not such a young fella, right? <laughs> but, um, but what I liked about your story was how, like how self-motivated you are, right? So we, we talked a little bit before this and you were just kind of giving me your backstory. So you, when you were early twenties or 20, you and your brother, or maybe even younger, you guys started your own furniture business in your parents' garage or whatever. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, where I got the bug. I was in junior year of high school. So 16, 17, we started that older brother as well. I love it. Um, And so he's a home builder now, general contractor. I had an interest in the business world. So clearly I was, I was using him for his talents a little bit, but we were just having fun. We're one of those families where we never hired anyone to do anything. So picked up a few skills along the way, learned how to build a few things. And we just started to, to put price tags on 
the little things that we had been building for friends and family forever. So we started that out of our parents' garage, and that's that's originally where I got the the entrepreneurship bug. So what kind of furniture would you build? Like, I immediately when you say this, I'm thinking about the movie The Patriot when he's in his shed and he's making <laughs> little rocking chairs. I know exactly what <laughs> right. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We what we really did the the core component was that a lot of custom work, so we had people, friends and family that would come to us with general ideas and we would help with that. But if we were to stock anything, it'd be tables. Live Edge, I know that you're you're in the North Carolina area, so Live Edge has taken off. A lot of people really love the the rustic feel of that mm. and the farmhouse feel. Um, but keeping it simple, tables, tabletops, occasionally doing some bases, not much metal work or anything like that. But that was our, our core core product, I would say. He went from that to now he's a home builder, like in full-fledged construction mode, right? Yep. You went the other direction. You stayed in your, your wheelhouse, which is more of the uh, paperwork side of things, right? But that's <laughs> that's kind of the, uh, you know, that's that's the best word I could think of at the moment. That's but, a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that's where I think you and I are like, because my brother is, sounds the same as your brother. So he he's very hands-on. He's great with wood. We had a, a stretch where we were building, I say we, he was building cornhole boards and I was helping kind of sell them and kind of market them out there a little bit. Like he does awesome work, you know, and I wish he would do more of that. So Mike, if you're listening, uh, get on that shit. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that's, but that was never my thing. Like I'm not that hands-on guy. So I'm more like you in that sense where it's like, Hey, how do I market this? How do we get it out there? Well, and I had, it was interesting to see how we worked and thought differently. He loves a, a, good set of blueprints and to think of design wise and and items like that i was much more interested if i was to do any of the work on the furniture of stain colors sanding the final touches finishing items like that okay Um, and i think that that directly applies to to what he's doing today and is a much 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 better fit um for him and his interest now that's the little things that i could handle too if yeah. it was like, hey, yeah. you hold this down while I do the real work, like that. <laughs> that's where I came <laughs> in, or just get out of my way and I'll, I'll let you know when it's done, you know? Yeah, exactly. So you guys did that for a while and then uh, you got into real estate for a little bit. That didn't really, wasn't really something you wanted to stick with, right? Yeah. So when, when we finished up, older brother, so he went to App State to study construction management up there. I went off down the road to High Point to study entrepreneurship, and so it was inconvenient. We're, we're from the Charlotte area. He'd have to come down the mountain. I'd have to go an hour hour drive home to do any orders or anything like that. So we dissolved that, and then as soon as I could, um, I got my real estate license when I was 19. Um, wow. And so I just had an interest of, again, being an entrepreneurship, but it's a low barrier to entry. This isn't, we don't need to go spend 100 thousand dollars manufacturing a product it costs four hundred dollars to take your test and get your license Um, and the upside is quite crazy so i got my real estate license and then i was hooked i really loved sales i think that that was one of the the core components of starting to realize of not necessarily selling people things but just hanging out talking doing this um, is what i enjoyed and so i did that for almost four years almost my entire time in college Um, started a real estate firm just kind of built that out um, and slowly, slowly grew that. That's like, that's something when you say you do that at age 19, right? Like, did you find that a lot of people didn't 
respect you? Because when you're 19, like, you can't be selling houses for more than, you know, two years, right? A year and a half. Do a lot of people, you know, they want that agent that's been doing it for 20 years. Like, that's that's a lot of selling points, right? Like, oh, I've been in, in, the, in this area for 20 years. I know the market, you know, whereas here you come in trying to crash it up. You know, how, did that work out all right for you? It, it did and it didn't. I think that A, and, and you'll actually, I presume, be able to relate to this. I've always just gotten along, been a, a little bit more mature for my age. I think being a younger sibling, when I was in high school as well, before that, that furniture company, we worked, I, my brother and I worked at a gym. I was 15, 16, training 18, 19-year-olds. So that power dynamic hasn't really bothered me much. But it did. It's You're, you're a walking billboard for experience. So everyone knows at 19 that you, you couldn't have done this for longer than a year. So I did try and, and impress and look older than I did. Full suit, always. Haven't shaved since then. That has helped a little <laughs> bit to make me look older. Right. Um, you, it's, it's easy to know that you don't have experience. But I also think that that played into a lot of my pitch. And when I was telling people, I understood media. I understood marketing. I understood social media. The, the core thing and what a lot of people don't realize is 87% of real estate agents, I think it is, get out of the business within two years. So almost every single real estate agent that you would be working with out in the world hasn't had their license for that long. So I really was teetering up quite quickly with okay. some of, which is crazy to say, the most experienced agents in, in the entire United States. I'm not a salesman like that. So so hats off to those that can do it. It's definitely a hustle. It's a grind, you know, or can be. I don't I make assumptions, right? Uh, I mean, the fact that you're able to start even that type of company too, like that's, it's awesome, right? So clearly you have this bug that you're, I'm going to guess on your age here. I'm going to say you're in the, the early half of the, of your twenties, right? Like mid twenties, maybe what, um, whatever the year is, I'm 23. I, okay. I turned 24 in December. So there's about a two week period that I'm not what the year is every year. Keep it simple. My first thought is you're, you're giving millennials a good name. Right. <laughs> right. Because, you know, and I don't want to paint them all with the same brush. Not everyone your age is, you know, not everyone's going to hustle like you, but then not everyone's going to do, some of them don't do anything. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a credit to, I'm sure how you were raised and just like your mentality from the beginning. So this is awesome. So it's, uh, I think starting a business is great. I think being an entrepreneur, like for better or worse, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, right? It's, it's kind of owning something even thinks about starting a business or doing something, then they should. Start as a side hustle, start small. You don't have to quit your job on day one, right? Like just see what that's about. Cause I think it's very, it's character building. You know what I mean? And you learn from your mistakes and you will make some, I'm sure you've made a few along the way. Well, and I think I always tell people the exact advice that you just said that it's extremely difficult. I think it's one of the hardest things to do to, to build and run a business, but it's so rewarding and I also think that it's put up on this pedestal that unfortunately does not need to be. All of these amazing people and business owners and CEOs are not the smartest people in the world. Right. Um, they are not these amazing reincarnates that have come and graced us with their presence. Um, I've, I love the stories. Like I, I believe her first name is Stacy. Stacy Brown of Chicken Salad Chick. She needed... To what a make title. some money, I'm the chicken uh, salad chick. <laughs> she is well, and and they're massive. I don't know if they have locations out near where you are, but I think that they now have 250, 260 franchise locations around the world. But she had recently gotten divorced, needed to put food on the table for her three kids, so she just started selling chicken salad door to door, um, and it's grown and grown and grown to this. Stacy's Pita Chips was a similar thing. She had started a food cart. 
and had leftover pita chips that she yeah. just deep fried and handed out for people waiting in line. I love Stacey's pita And that's chips. what took off. Exactly. So I love, I love those stories of people that have fallen into business and are doing it for the love of the game and not to, to line the pocket. Yeah. I mean, the, the money becomes like a, almost like a nice added bonus to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get paid for doing this. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Because then you know you're truly doing something that you love, which I think is great. I know you and I had talked about it a little bit when we had connected beforehand of, of doing this podcast and just being able to tell people's stories and not know necessarily that this is going to monetize or make you a, 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 a large chunk of change at the end of the day, just doing it for the love of the game. And I think that that is what, not to blow smoke here, makes your podcast and makes the work that you do engaging and interesting because it is you're you're doing it for all the right reasons well i appreciate that and and i know i'm certainly not the only podcast out there that feels that way but but you're right i mean there's you know i'm on different forums podcast type forums where people are you know asking questions getting questions answered or whatever right and that's one of the first questions people ask like hey i'm starting a podcast you know how long before i can make money and i i don't even respond to those questions because it's like those, i can't help you with that you know what i mean like i'm not you know because if you're going into it to make money i think it's the wrong approach you know that being said if you have uh say like a real estate business and it's already established and now you want to start a podcast to promote that business then maybe that's the angle like and, and i didn't look deeply enough with some of these people's questions but Maybe that's how you make money right away with a podcast. But for the level that I'm doing, I just enjoy having these types of conversations, meeting new people. If money comes later from advertisers or whatever, then cool. Like I, I accept, I accept all all money uh, <laughs> coming my way. But but that's not why I do. You know, I have a full time job. This is just enjoyable for me, right? But uh, yeah, cool. So you have a podcast as well, right? Is it called mm-hmm, uh, Building mm-hmm. a Better World? Is that right? You got it. Yeah. So is, yeah. This, is this directly tied to the to the charity or? We do. Yeah. Okay. So it is the, the core thesis of the podcast is interviewing entrepreneurs, executives, and leaders that are building a better world. So it's a lot of the nonprofits that we work with, executive leadership. I was on a, a call on Tuesday out of the with the gentleman Paul Cox that's the CEO of the Shark Trust and we were talking about shark conservation in the UK what they're doing there um, and and again connecting telling these stories um, because it's just a his story I absolutely loved London banker turned into someone that's now leading a shark conservation organization again those are the stories that I love exactly <laughs> exactly those are the stories that I love people that are putting impact first does he save? I wonder if you, do you save just like the friendly sharks. Or... <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> have to search. You, you'd have to search far and wide to find those. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, let's talk about let's talk about the charity organization, right? So you yeah. you know you mentioned there's you know over thirty different spots you can do. What led you to that? Like, so you go from building furniture with your brother, you're doing real estate, and now you're like, you know what? I want to give more. I want to do more. Like, what would lead you to something like this rather than more of a salesy type thing, like something that, and I don't know what kind of money's involved in this for you and you don't have to answer that, but you know, with someone with your kind of drive, if you will, I could see you, and maybe this is in your future plans, leading a, a team to start an app or some sort of, some sort of startup company. And you're now the CEO of this company, like cashing in, but what, so what led you to this? How did you become yeah. Mr. Charity over here? So when I was running the real estate firm, I had this small idea of maybe starting a foundation, a side project under it that I could put a little bit of my commissions into just to start thinking of, of making the world a better place for <laughs> a very large overarching theme. And so when I decided 
that I didn't want to be in real estate anymore. And I was just getting more bored doing the exact same stuff every day. I was realizing that um, money does not matter that much to me. I, I cannot get too excited. Um, and that was a, a core driving factor of, I would say, the reason I started to get into the real estate world. Um, and so when it was time that I knew I was going to leave real estate, I had saved all of the money that I made. Best decision that I had ever done was that um, so that I could spend a little time trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And so when it was time to sit down and start thinking of some other business ideas, I knew I wanted to start another business. Um, it just kept coming up and coming up and bothering me. Um, so I knew that I would have to sit down and at least explore this, figure out if it's something viable, see if yeah, we can bug, find a, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. And see if we can find a, a viable business, see if we can figure out if this is something that people actually want. And I mean, it's been, we've been open for a little over a year now and we've just rebranded, just did a bunch of new items and, and launched a new tech platform. So things are constantly changing. It's not all what it was when we had started, but I couldn't be more excited and, and to just be working on something that matters and is making an impact, I would say is the, again, peak importance for, for what I want to do. You're such a good human. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say I don't walk around with a halo over my head all the time. I don't think, but the, the core of all of this is, is especially, and you, you hinted towards it, this is not a, a money game. I can get paid salary. As a nonprofit, there's no such thing as ownership. That's what that means. Um, so there's no equity, nothing like that. So I can get paid a normal salary. Of course, that's not how, how you make the big bucks is through a salary. But I think that the biggest thing is that right now I'm 23. I don't have a massive mortgage. I don't have any kids. If I'm going to put the time and the energy and I can eat ramen or whatever it may be to figure this out for a little bit, now's the time to do it. Um, so that is, again, why I'm, that was the, the reason to get into real estate as well is that starting young, every single person that you ever ask wishes that they had started whatever they were doing earlier. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think that heeding that advice and taking it in has been one of the best decisions that I had ever made. Uh, random question. Uh, what's your favorite flavor of ramen? <laughs> I I have not. I needed to, to explore some more ramen. You're just a chicken guy? Yeah, I, I, I would say so. But I really, I, I especially even in college, I didn't eat too much ramen, which is crazy to say. We like the oriental flavor. I don't eat it all. My daughter loves it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah. It, used to be, it used to be called... So it used to be called Oriental. Now they changed the name where it just says like soy or probably PC. I don't know what, I don't know why they changed <laughs> it, but it tastes the same. It's the same ingredients. They just changed the label. So I don't care what you call it. But anyway, so I was looking at this, I was looking at the site and I was looking at some of the, the causes you can do, right? So, so some of the questions, right? So if I wanted to, uh, if I wanted to donate, let's just say to homelessness, right? So you see mm -hmm. a lot of that. You people drive around, you got these panhandlers. I'm very, hesitant to give them money because I'm just like, how many of these people are just lazy and don't feel like working? So like, I'm going to stand here because I hear rumors that they make better money there than they would, you know, working at McDonald's or wherever. Right. I'm not going to add to that. I'm not going to give you money. But if I said, hey, if I want to give to the homeless people or homelessness or whatever the term might be, right. Am I able to choose like where I want to donate that to? So if I say, Hey, I'm going to give you a couple hundred bucks or whatever the money is. Can I say, Hey, but I want to put this in the Raleigh area. Like not just globally, I want to focus on where I live because I want to get these people off of my red lights, <laughs> you know, so to speak. Do I have that option to do that? Not right now, but that's very high up on our list because supporting locally and, and bettering your local area is a core drive for everyone's philanthropic giving. 
The problem and the reason that we aren't steamrolling ahead with that is that if you wanted to support homelessness organizations in the Raleigh area, what I would always recommend is connecting with those organizations yourself and getting involved and learning what they're doing there, what might be the best way to help solve homelessness in your local area. Because with our transparent promise and our 100% model, if you donate, we take 100% of organization or donations directly to organizations in the field. And so with that, it would save us a wire fee pretty much. And that's why when you donate, you choose cancer as a cause and not an individual nonprofit to donate towards. So that's a, a long-winded answer to say no, but we are working and figuring out because that's a common request that people have. All right. So follow-up question then. So on the yeah. same on the same note, if I say, okay, I want to donate to the homeless cause, like, will you tell me where that goes? Like, do I know yes. where that, where that yeah. money's going? Like if it's in a certain is it in downtown Chicago or wherever the problems are? Like, yeah. So when you donate, as soon as we take your money, we start. You you can track your donations just like a package, and we send you updates from the time we receive it, the time we wire it to partners in the field, and then a final impact report showing you covered X percent of whatever the total donations that we sent to this project was, okay. the organization that it went towards, photos, videos, GPS coordinates. Again, this is where it gets much more exciting because that was one of my core complaints of the nonprofit world is that you donate and you never hear back. You never know any progress. You don't know if your money is just being put in the pocket of some executive. Um, and so we're, we're really trying to show and bring alive you donated $10. Here is exactly what it did. That's sweet. So you mentioned before to me that like you, the way that your model is set up is for like a, like I think a monthly continuous donation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, am I able to donate like one time things or does it have to be monthly or is that still something that we're trying to put together? It, it's We operate just on a subscription basis. If you really pull some strings and want to donate one time, we can, we can obviously do that. But the, the reason of what we're trying to do is to get more people engaged in giving and lower this barrier to entry. So right now, if you go on our website, you can only donate up to $100 a month. And again, the reason that we're doing that is because the, the three numbers I always talk about Netflix made $32 billion last year. It would cost $31 billion to solve the global water crisis and give 770 million people clean drinking water for the first time ever. And then 42% of people don't donate because they don't believe they have enough money to make a difference in the world. And so every 255 million people, I think is the number, have a Netflix account. Um, and so it, it really would not, I would assume, and this is obviously very overarching, put anyone out to donate another $10 a month if you have Netflix. And so again, I mean, that's just a, a core example of we can we can solve a lot of problems if we start getting engaged, showing people what their donations are doing and make it exciting. The, the days of pulling teeth and making giving only a tax write-off and something that you feel obliged to do come Christmas, that, that needs to be done with um, and, and get people more engaged. So you touched upon two of my next follow-up questions, if you will. One was, you know, what's what's the minimum someone can donate, right? So if they're like, like, like you mentioned, like maybe $10 is that number. Um, but then also, I assume that you guys provide like that tax documentation, right? So it's like, hey, how much, you know, if I, if I look at, and maybe you know this answer, you can tell me, like, how much can I donate per year on my taxes as, as an individual filing? I don't, maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. But what, if there's a recommended number, 
you know, that would be helpful as well. So if someone says, hey, if I want to do 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month, and then I get a tax form back from you, and you basically get it back and you're like, you can deduct that from your taxes. So you're not really losing much, you know what I mean? And you're helping a cause, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's a, a common conversation that everyone has with their CPAs. It's based off of the amount of income that you have and what's deductible there. So it's unique for everyone. But the lowest that you can donate is $10 a month. We have four plans, 10, 20, 40, and 100. So you can pick and choose based off of what you want to get engaged in. Down the road, I know that we'll build out and you'll be able to custom build your plan if you want to donate more or less. But again, trying to keep things slim, trying to keep things easy. We're, we're trying to make the donation process three clicks um, so that everyone can see exactly what their donations are doing and make it, again, exciting and engaging. Okay, that's good. I like the, it sounds like it's very easy. I, did, I, I went through the site a little bit. You know, I haven't donated just yet, but I want to check that out. Because if you think about what we spend our money on, like we mentioned like Netflix, right? That's an easy one. And no one wants to lose their Netflix subscriptions, right? So yeah. I get it. But when you think about what else you waste money on, and like I said, oh, it's not going to make a difference. But if everybody makes a little difference, and that's kind of the world we live in now, like do one little thing. And if everybody does one little thing, it adds up to a lot of things. And maybe we can do that. I'm going to scroll through and see which, you know, which causes you have on there. And anyone listening to you check it out and you figure out what, what means something to you. Like I mentioned homelessness because I see that every day, you know, every, every stoplight I'm at, you know, essentially you have someone there. So it's like, how do we put an end to that? Maybe you're into saving sharks, you know, and that's, and you want to save some sharks or sea turtles. Exactly. And that's again, the, the core component of getting people engaged I don't want you to donate to causes that you do not care about. And I hate, this is a, a common thing that I always talk about, is that in middle school and high school, when we would go and volunteer and be required to as a class, that's just the, the worst possible thing that I think that schools can do. Obviously, it's important to be getting people engaged in their community and giving back. I understand we need to start working that muscle, but people need to be working on causes that they care about and things that they care about. Your, your two that you mentioned right there are my, my two favorites, sharks, sea turtles, anything aquatic. If I was to start a nonprofit that was just me, only my interest, it would be saving oh, the, the oceanic wildlife just because sure. that's my interest. But that does not mean that it needs to be the interest of everyone else and does not mean that people need to donate to that just because I'm the one that cares. Um, and, and again, engaging, get people. The the core end goal of all of this is I want you, Mark, to sit down at dinner and get a notification from us saying that your $10 did exactly this for the homeless population in Raleigh. You can see your outcome. You can see what you've done. And that excites you and fulfills you, makes you want to donate again, makes you excited that you're actually making a contribution. And you can see that as an individual, you can do that and you don't need to own the Gates Foundation and be a billionaire to make a difference. I can sit here and have these conversations and I might be slightly motivated to say, oh, you know what? I can do more than just give $10. I can go down to the shelter. I can help them serve food or whatever. But the reality of it is I'm not going to do that. I'd like to do that. And if I had a group of people that were like, hey, Mark, come along with us. This is what we're doing today. And I would probably go do that. And it would be a really fulfilling experience, right? But for me to sit here to wake up on a you know, whatever day of the week it is and say, you know what, that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go down there. I'm just going to help. Like that takes a certain type of person. And I think the majority of people in this world aren't that person, you know, and I, I say that as myself included, like I would love to help. I want to help, you know, and if I don't want to spend money, I could give my time, but life gets in the way. Like 
running a podcast, you work a job, you got children, you got things to do, like whatever, you know, you, any excuse you want to not go do work for free. <laughs> right. So, yeah. uh, but it's just a way that us as, as humans, not everyone, you know, we're not in that mindset to help first. You know what I mean? And I think we could all work to get better at that. This seems like a good way to, if you're not going to go down and help, and you make a, enough money where you can afford like I said, 10 bucks a month to go to, mm-hmm. to do that. So let me ask you this though. If it's on there, let's just say I sign up and then six months from now, you know, something changes on my side. Like, is it easy for me to, to stop doing that or is it? Yeah. A- yep. Yeah. You go into, so when you get your impact reports, you build out a profile on our website. You can log in. Go in there, change all of your account settings, all of your billing, do all of that at just a few clicks away. Again, trying to make this as easy as possible. We're not we're not mailing receipts. We're not doing right. anything like that. It's all digital. Again, we're trying to make this bring nonprofits into the future. Um, it, it especially this was one of my core complaints of the real estate world. The average real estate agent, I believe, the the number is a fifty four year old woman. Um, and so the way that they operate and the way that they do things versus a 19 year old guy, um, and, and all of the background that I have in media tech items yes, like technology. That, yeah. That's the difference maker. It, it really is. You can make a big, big difference and in, in just standing out in the real estate world. So again, I think that nonprofits are in general, a little bit behind the curve and it's not their fault. The, the core issue of all of this is nonprofits need money. Everyone is struggling to get money and get attention. They're doing such amazing work. An example, we'll just use the the sea turtles for an example. I was down at an amazing hospital in Wilmington, North Carolina, Karen Beasley. This the the organization is a, a I think they have 200 or 300 different volunteers that are working down there to just try and get everything done. Managing that and then trying to fundraise and do all of the work that they're doing on a small budget. I mean, it's a, it's a common story and it's really difficult. So when we can support their work, support what they're doing, um, I mean, it's a, a win for our donors to get this transparent report on what your money is going towards. It's a win for the organizations that we work with. So it's a, it's a positive feedback loop for sure. It's because of them as a charity at the end of the month, they're going to get a check or whatever that says, oh, here's, here's what's been donated to you this month. And they can use that for whatever they need, supplies or you know, whatever. Exactly. And then, and, and whenever we send a check out, we require a, a report so that they can tell us what the money was spent on grants. We can limit sometimes what the, the money is spent on if needed, anything like that. So really, again, trying to show and actually quantify what your $10 a month can do. Uh, that's really cool, man. I think there's a lot of things that about everything we're talking about here before we started talking. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is I'm very ignorant to what to what that's all about. I knew nothing about nonprofits and charity organizations, things like that, because, you know, and you touched upon it earlier. If if someone wants to give money, but they're afraid, like, well, where's it going? If I give mm-hmm. even a hundred bucks, is 40 of that going to the, the CEO of this company? Because, you know, they need to get paid for running it. You know what I mean? And I think that's part of the fear. You know, I can't speak for everybody, but that's what I would say. I see a, a dude in a suit trying to collect money from me. I'm like, well, I don't know where my money's going. Like I could just... I could flush it down the toilet and get better results. You know what I mean? So you want to make sure you know where it's going. It sounds like you've answered all those questions, all those problems. I I donate money. Here's where it's going. You're holding all the organizations that you donate to accountable to let you know what they're spending money on. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. And that's, that's great. I mean, you you mentioned it with the tech, like that's just the way that it is in this world. Like you have that tech background and well, and it's, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's non-arguable. People do not trust 
charities. Um, it's a, that number, that figure is up to almost 50%, I believe, in recent surveys of people's trust within charities that they're spending their money correctly. We just filmed a commercial earlier this week of some embezzlement examples of nonprofits mm. and the things that they're doing of CFOs that were sending over 250 wire transfers to their personal account, friends and family members wow. that they had gotten caught. Um, 1.2 or $1.4 million a CEO of a nonprofit organization embezzled took for himself to spend, quote, on a lavish lifestyle to impress a teenage mistress. So, I mean, it's, it's things like that, that these are real stories and things that are actually happening. And I mean, again, it's no wonder that people don't trust charities. It is unfortunately a battle that every single good nonprofit has to deal with because of, for lack of better words, the shit that other organizations have put them through. And so it, it again, puts a foul taste in everyone's mouth, but, and then you can't do the homework if you go and look and look at these financials, you're going to get a 20 or 30 page financial statement from the IRS yeah, who wants that to no that? one can understand. Yeah. Um, and so it, it just makes it difficult for the average consumer to do this research, to do the understanding. And so again, that's where we're trying to come in, make donating easier, more transparent, and more engaging. Would you say that you're, you're set up like this whole process that we just talked about? Are you the first of its kind or, and you don't have to name drop anybody else, but maybe you came across someone who was doing something similar and you kind of mimic that, make it better in certain areas, or is this a complete will brainchild right here? No, no. And again, going back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this, of business does not need to be that crazy. I'm not Einstein over here, even remotely. So just taking components of charity water, everyone, please go look up that organization. One of the best organizations in the world. And the reason that I got into the nonprofit space, they, paved the road for the 100% model and okay. proving the impact, saying that that's what's going on. Some of the tech is out there and some other nonprofits, they're trying to figure it out. I think that that's one of our core differentiators. And then there are other organizations that are somewhat of a brokerage model, give donations to other nonprofits and have contractors in the field, items like that. But they typically take their nice little 10 to 15% retainer to stuff sure. in their pocket. The bookie thing. Exactly. So we took the, the best components of what I thought some of the best organizations in the world were doing and kind of melted those together, I would say. That's a good way to do it, though, because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like you said, you don't have to be the genius and behind it all. You take something that's been built and make it better. I mean, that's that's innovation. Well, and and I I mean, four years I studied entrepreneurship. That's what my degree is in. And the core thing that I took out of all of my studies was the, the only thing that you need to start a business with is to find a problem and solve it. And so that problem does not need to be anything crazy. The real estate world, my problem there was that people were really bad at marketing listings and using media and actually trying to help people sell their homes other than just putting it on the MLS or Zillow, whatever yep. that would be. Yep. And so it, it you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Cornhole, people wanted custom cornhole boards. You and your brother were there. That's just an easy problem to solve. And I mean, that's that's the core advice that I tell anyone that's like, I want to start a business. I don't know how the first steps or anything to start. Open that notes app in your phone and just start noticing things that you hate throughout your day that you would like to be better. I love it. I think that's awesome advice. Actually, I'm going to take that. You just I just got a four year education in, uh, <laughs> in a 30 second answer. So it is. <laughs> and, it, and it really is. You don't. I mean, and, and again, I, my favorite podcast is How I Built This with Guy Ross. If you listen to that or if anyone does, okay. um, and you start to realize that these people are not like 
they're figuring out, they're getting scrappy, they're trying to figure out the best ways to solve that problem. And again, problems, Stacy Brown selling chicken salad. She needed a way to put food on the table for her kids and make some money. So that was her way of figuring it out. It's not what I would have done. It's probably not what you would have done. But now look at, at what it's turned into. Someone like that, like I I could never imagine myself going door to door to do anything. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> so no one wants to do that shit, right? So the fact that she did it and it worked and it's paid off, like kudos to her. Like that's an impressive story mm-hmm. because most people aren't going to do that. They're not going to put that type of work in, you know? So building off this, what I've noticed on your site as well is people can set up like uh, like they can create events for something that they're doing. You had a guy in there. It looks like he what he rode like a couple thousand meters or something. It was raising money yeah, for whatever yeah. his cause is. So tell me about that. Like if I wanted to raise money for anything, I, I don't know, like maybe it was a fundraiser for a neighbor's house that caught on fire or something. I could do some kind of fundraiser for that as well, right? So our, our fundraising platform it wouldn't be necessarily for a friend's house that caught on fire. I'd use GoFundMe or one of those items for that. Okay. You can go online, pick one of our causes. So if you want to fundraise for cancer, you can go online, create that fundraiser. So the, the gentleman that you're referencing, he fundraised for all of our animal causes. So he chose that cause, went out, um, hosted a birthday party fundraiser. Um, he fundraised a little over $500. We took 100% of those donations to a wildlife rehabilitation center right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, funded okay. a half a day's worth of work. Awesome story. Lexi the Gray Fox, if you want to go and see that. Um, she had broken two of her, both of her front arms and couldn't walk. So now she's out slowly rehabilitating, getting back. Um, but no, you go online, you can create a fundraiser, pick a cause, go out, raise raise the money that you want to. And per usual, we, we follow up and prove to you that impact. That's cool. Okay. So, uh, so it's choosing one of those causes. Okay. That makes sense. I would doubt you kind of answer my question. Cause I was going to say, what would be the difference of like a GoFundMe page or, yeah. or whatever, yeah. but there you go. You just answered it. So, so you can create the fundraiser and it, it'll get treated the same way that you're treating any other donations, uh, just to ensure. So anyone who, who donates can be assured that, Hey, a hundred percent of this is going to where we say it's going. It's not hey, exactly. everybody write, write a check to Mark. And I'll make sure it gets to the right spot. Like, you yeah. got it. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's no, like on GoFundMe, if you made a page, you would get that money. The the Whoever makes the fundraisers on our account, it just goes into our bank accounts. They don't touch the money. We handle all of the accounting and do all of that. Perfect. Cool. And then, like I said, you got your, your podcast. How often does your podcast come out? We're just doing every other week, so we're. I'm, I'm hoping to ramp that up a little bit. But you know this game; it, it takes some time to to fully produce, fully book, get some things going, um, and then we're we're really trying to build out our content. That is what I also think is so special of what we're doing is that we're we're really when it comes down to it, a media company. We're telling stories. We're we're sending money out proving the impact and telling the stories of the impact that our donors are making. So our hope is that down the road, we're, we're going to grow this content team, start to be able to monetize. I mean, National Geographic made almost $600 million last year just running their ads. Um, and so I think that that's what I'm most excited about is that we can start to pay our overhead costs through items like that and really have to not fundraise because, again, that's the downfall of nonprofits is the constant need to fundraise. 
Um, and that is where I think it gets a little bit even more special with our model. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take all your the links, everything that we talked about, like so um, a link to the uh, My Charity app and people can figure out where they can go to make whatever donations and research what they want to research. All this information I'm going to put in the show notes for the show here. So if anyone listening is more curious about what Will's doing and how they can be, how you can be involved, definitely reach out. As you can tell by talking with you, I mean, you're an approachable dude, right? So if anyone has questions, you know, I don't know if you're the one that it goes to if they try to contact you in the site, but I imagine that you're going to put people around you just like you. So anyone's happy to, you know, help that process along. So of course, of course. And I always say, LinkedIn, reach out to me there. I think it's just linkedin.com slash Will Hedrick, whatever that is. Um, if you ever need anything, reach out, connect with me. I'm same as you, Mark, reaching out and talking to people all the time. So happy to connect, happy to answer questions or do anything like that. I love it. I love it. Well, Will, I really appreciate you coming on and letting us know what's, you know, what, what, the, what's the lowdown on this here. So <laughs> any, uh, did we miss anything, anything else you want to no, mention before no. we go? This was perfect, and I can't I can't thank you enough for taking the time and connecting and, and helping share this story. So I really appreciate it, Mark. Awesome. Well, hopefully you get a little uptick. I don't know how much uptick you get, but well, <laughs> any like I said, any little bit counts. You know, if one person of course, donates, of course, then the podcast was successful. So it was. It sweet. was. All right, man. Listen, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks everyone for listening, and uh, stay casual. 